this week at Snapshot, we talked about our purpose and what that has to do with our levels of anxiety. So let's get to it. So the first question we asked this week was, what is success? How do you define success? Not our culture. We know our culture tells us that it's achieving some kind of status through either fame or money um, or power or importance, right? But like, how do you define success in your life? I can't answer that for you. You can only answer that for yourself. So take some time to do that. Think about that, right? What, what are your goals? What does it mean to be successful? And how is what you're doing now helping you either achieve those or how is your idea of what success is placing pressures and informing the choices you are making now? Those are really, really big questions, right? Like I said this week, we're talking about purpose, which is literally the biggest question ever. It's really, what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose? Why are we here? What are we supposed to be doing? It's a hard answer, right? If it was super easy, we would do it. But uh, I think there are some things in the Bible that can help us understand it. And if we understand our purpose, um, we will be filled with a lot less anxiety and we'll actually have hope and we can find joy even in the mundane, small, tiny things of life. Uh, so let, let's get into it. All right, we talked about how maybe our culture's idea of success isn't exactly perfect, right? Um, there's this uh, musician named Mike Posner, and he has a song called Drip, and in it he talks about how he's gained all this fame and acclaim and it hasn't made him happy. Here are some of the lyrics. It says, I worked the last 10 years. I'm a multimillionaire. I'm 30 years old. It's supposed to be all good. It's not all fudging good. One of those words isn't actually in the song. You can figure out which one, maybe. Right. When we live our lives based on these false ideas of what our purpose is, we will never be content, right? Most ideas of purpose focus on ourselves, on what's best for us, on our own comfort, uh, on our own enjoyment. And it's just kind of not how it works, right? If we focus on ourselves, we will always be discontent. I've seen this play out in my lives, in my life, in the lives of people I know and care about many times, right? The more we focus on ourselves, the less happy we will actually be. So if the purpose of life is just to achieve fame, comfort, status, um, wealth for ourselves, we're probably going to end up filled with some kind of anxiety or, or sadness or, or just not feeling fully fulfilled. So uh, we looked at Genesis 1, 26 through 31. I'm probably not going to read all of that in this, but you can check it out. But it's the account of the sixth day of creation. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Right? First off, again, remember, we talked about, we did a whole series on the Trinity. You can go back and listen to stuff about it. But literally, we are made for relationship. God is a relationship, and out of that loving relationship flows everything else, and he desires for us to choose to be in a loving relationship with him, right? It's an amazing, amazing promise. That's a big part of our purpose right there in just that, that sentence, right? He said, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them, and God blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over all the fish, birds, everything that moves on earth, right? And then God gives everything, everything, not just us, everything, the fruit uh, of plants, 
and every green plant that says for food and said that God saw it and it was good. Very good. Actually, sixth day, he says it's very good. And then it says evening and morning, and that was the sixth day, right? This kind of just sets up that God has created us to be in relationship with him and to work and be part of this earth, that we are connected to it and we are supposed to care for it and care for each other, right? The G in the gospel acrostic that we say every week is God created us to be with him, right? We are made for relationship. Like we said, remember the Trinity. God is relationship, and out of that, he made us to be in relationship with him. So what do we do with this? If our goal is to know God and care about others, we, we ask the question, what, what does success look like, or what is our purpose? And we had some really awesome answers from some people. Some people said, things like um, being connected to other people, which is beautiful, right? And somebody else said, doing what is right, right? Well, it kind of depends on if you know God and where you think right and wrong comes from. If it just comes from within you, that could be a problem. But if there is a God, he created laws, not just natural laws that we know and obey, right? If we want to or not, right? Like we have to obey gravity. We have to obey the fact that we have to eat, right? Like all these things that we have to obey, if we see his moral law that way, then yeah, that's probably a good answer. Um, also, we had someone say um, it's, it's to be happy and help other people be happy. But when they talked about happy, when we got down and tried to define what happiness was, they really meant love, right? To love other people and help other people know that they're loved. And that's a beautiful picture of what I think our purpose is, right? And someone else said to love God and do whatever he asks us to do because he's made us all different. They're amazing answers. You, like, I w if you weren't there, I wish you were there. It was great. Um, right? And all that is, if you synthesize all that together, that's, I think, the answer, right? Um, our, our, our job is to love God, to care for other people, and to make pathways for them to have peace, right? This idea of peace, we, in our culture, we use the word peace as just like this one word that means everything's going the way I want it to, or there's no strife in my life. But really, the Hebrew word shalom means there is peace and interconnectivity in every area of your life, right? Like your home life, your work life, with other people, with the planet, with your body, with God, right? But all of it flows through your relationship with God, right? And our goal is not just to have shalom for ourselves, but to use the power that we do have to open up pathways and avenues of shalom for other people. That's a beautiful way to think about our goal in life. And I think the best way to do that is telling people the good news about Jesus Christ, right? All of us know somebody that is hurting, um, going through a difficult time, and they wonder if they matter, if anyone loves them, if things are ever going to get better, if there is hope, right? Like We all know people who are struggling with that. And even though it might seem like they're the person who least wants to hear it, they're the people who most need to hear it. So we needn't be scared of sharing um, what we care about, right? Showing, sharing that God loves us and cares for us, right? We should never shy away from it. It has the power to transform someone's life and even to save them, right? So in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, it says, and this is Paul writing to Timothy again, a young man who, who he has placed in charge of a church, and he says, So I solemnly urge you before God and before Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom, to preach the word of God urgently at all times. Whenever you get the chance, in season and out, when it is convenient and when it is not. Right? That's amazing, right? 
That's one of my favorite verses because it reminds me, no matter what, like Jesus is going to come back and there is going to be some sort of judgment, right? God's going to set up his kingdom and people are going to get to choose um, based upon what they've done, if they get to want to be part of that kingdom or not, right? And if we can show people and tell people that now, when that day comes, it's not going to be a hard, hard question for them to answer, right? But it's our job to preach the word of God urgently at all times, whenever we have the chance, in season and out, when it's convenient. And I add the word especially, especially when it's not. Those people who we feel like don't want to hear it the most probably need to hear it the most, right? So you can go on and read the rest uh, through chapter of through verse 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. But that's the most important part to me. Um, and then we, we moved on to, I, to Micah in the Old Testament. Uh, he's a prophet, right? And he is t- kind of having this conversation on behalf of God's, of the people of Israel and uh, God, right? And the people are like, okay, we know we've messed up, right? So let's read it. Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8 says, How can we make up for what we've done, you ask? The people are asking God. Shall we bow before the Lord with offerings and yearling calves? Oh, no. For if you offered him a thousand rams and ten thousand rivers of oil, would that please him? Would he be satisfied? If you sacrificed your oldest child, would that make him glad? Would he then forgive your sins? No, of course not. Right? Just remember, put this in perspective. Nowadays, like people think to be good with God, like we have to do a bunch of good deeds, which again, in Gospel Acrostic, we talk about our sins separate from God. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds, right? Like we try and offer God leads like little things we do and say, God, does this make you love me? Right? And we don't need to because he just loves us. Right? And in in those days, people were very used to sacrificing and giving offerings to these to, to their gods, their local gods. And so a lot of people thought this about our God too. And God's like, no, no, no. I don't need anything. Right? And even that oldest child thing, that stuff was going on up into Jesus's day. Right? Jesus went and stood at a place and said, the gates of hell shall not prevail over God's kingdom in a place where people were still sacrificing their children to a local fake God. Right? That's crazy stuff. And it doesn't work. Right? But it equally doesn't work as much as our, you know, cheap moral uh, trying to do the right thing so we can earn enough brownie points to get into heaven or this idea of karma, which is not in the Bible. <laughs> right? Um, God loves us regardless of what we do. It's not based on us. Karma, everything's based on our own actions and what we do, not based on who God is and what he did through Jesus, right? Um, but anyway, um, so no, there's nothing that we can give God that will make him love us more, that will make up for what we've done, right? God does it already, right? And this is before Jesus, but right, Jesus takes care of that part, right? This is Micah's answer to the people. He says, no, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and he has told you what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. All right, that's it. That's his summation. He's like, if you want to be good, if you want to follow God, this is all you have to do. Love what is right, love mercy, walk humbly with God, right? That's it. Humble ourselves. Know that God is God, that we make mistakes sometimes, and and move on, right? All of Ecclesiastes is King Solomon trying to understand the best way to live life. And he tried everything. He had all the money. He he gave it all up. He's like, you know what? None of this matters at the end of his life. He looks back and says, I tried all of these things to fill me, and none of them did. He said, so the end of it is to fear God and obey him. 
Like that's how he ends it, right? He's like, to know who God is, to understand how awesome and amazing he is, and just listen to him, right? Um, we listened to uh, a Martin Luther King Jr. clip, um, and really uh, the, ju- the just, gist of what he was saying is that we need to be a different kind of people. Sometimes we don't do things because they're not uh, popular. Vanity is what he called it. Or we do things because they're not politic, right? It's not, it's not, ethic, it's not um, what people would say is, is right, or we can't talk about that, or you know, the separation of church and state. We can't have our actual beliefs bear down on the ideas that we use in our society, which he, again, thinks is not true, right? Um, he says we shouldn't be swayed by these things but we should only be swayed by doing what is right. And sometimes that means it's not comfortable, it's not popular, it's not politic. But we as Christians have to stand up and do it, right? So that's our purpose, to make sure that this world looks more just, more like God's kingdom, that we open up pathways of shalom for people whenever we have the power to do so, that we connect with people and show them that they're loved and cared about by us and by God. And then just do whatever God asks us to do to be humble before him and follow him. And if we do that, our life will feel a lot less harried and ragged and like we're running around chasing something that we'll never get. Um, And we can actually be at peace. So think about your purpose. What does success mean to you? What do you think matters in life? What are you aiming for? And how is that uh, affecting the choices you make? And what if Jesus is true and that's all it is? that we do what is right, we love mercy, we walk humbly with God. What if that's all he's asking us to do? Love you guys. Have a good week.